Hello, my oral surgery friends. This is your host, Dr. Grant Stuckey. In this podcast, you will hear surgeons discussing ways to improve the practice of oral and maxillofacial surgery. The goal of this podcast is to evaluate every aspect that a surgeon can improve in order to create a better experience for patients, staff, and the surgeon. Most of the information shared in this podcast will be based on personal experience and opinions. The methods discussed are meant to provoke thought and should be supplemented with research into the approved studies prior to making changes to one's way of practice. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. Okay, welcome to another episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. Today I'm with Dr. Ellie Tabari. He's an oral and maxillofacial surgeon practicing in Southern California. Ellie, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. Excellent. Hey, I'm excited to talk to you today. I was wondering if you could give us just a brief kind of history of your training and your current practice setup. Sure. Well, I went to undergrad at UCLA long time ago when the dinosaurs were walking the earth. Then I had my dental education training at University of Pennsylvania. I graduated and did an internship for two years in Fresno, California, in oral and maxillofacial surgery. I, I didn't know, I, you know, and I, at the end of the dental school, I didn't know if I, what I wanted to do. And I just thought there was an internship that was available. And I said, why not? And my mind was blown. So I got into the residency eventually, spent a total of six years in the hospital in Fresno, California, which is now affiliated with University of California of San Francisco. UCSF. Finally finished my residency. We did a lot of training in trauma there, and we had an advantage in that the hospital didn't have any ENT or plastic surgery specialty residencies. So a lot of the trauma and facial trauma, facial lacerations, things like that all came to us. So we gained a lot of experience in that, you know, a lot of motor vehicle accidents, gunshot wounds, all those fun things. Graduated, finished residency, then started practicing in the greater LA area, doing a hybrid, having my own practice in Torrance, your birthplace, and also traveling to other offices and doing oral surgery for them. Also joined two hospitals and took call. So saw a little trauma and emergencies there. Currently, my private practice is in Brentwood, California. I still go into other offices as well, and I still have, I still take call in the hospital for oral and maxillofacial surgery. Nice. That's awesome. Great to hear that you also went to UCLA and hear some of your background there. It's really cool. Now, Yeah, uh, it, was, it, was, it was exciting. It's awesome. And has it been easy or hard to kind of establish yourself there in that Brentwood area, or how's it been? The Brentwood area, I have an advantage because I grew up near there. Okay. So, you know, I grew up I grew up in LA proper. So then I went away for dental school and went away for residency, came back, worked all over LA. But here I have a little bit of an advantage that some of my friends I've known for years and years, there are a lot of dental friends. They know me and they're they're like, okay, he's he's here now. So that's my little advantage in that, you know, the geographics of it. 
that I have an established relationship from the past with some of the dentists that refer me patients. Nice. That's awesome. Well, good. And then I know you actually wrote and produced a movie. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Okay, I'll give you, well, it's a, me making this movie is a movie unto itself, but I'll give you the, I guess, the short version of it, as short as it could be. About 20 years ago, I was in dental school and my friend and I were just studying or something. We took a break and we just popped some ideas into our head and we just thought of maybe this storyline for a movie and we're like, oh, that would be a cool movie. Anyhow, that somehow stayed with me the storyline itself, just, you know, the synopsis, the brief synopsis of the idea of the movie. Then through residency in the hospital, things that happened and my experiences there, I kind of kept in the back of my mind, you know, just strange things or, you know, as you know, you have a residency, the, the weird things and the things you learn mm-hmm. and you see. Finished residency and somehow as, when I was started practicing, I somehow started writing a script didn't know how to write a script wasn't you know even though i live in la and i was practicing in la i wasn't mingling with any hollywood people in the industry so what happened and this is a story unto itself is one day this this gentleman was riding his bike and he was going to a lecture on how to live to be 100 years old. But unfortunately, he was riding his bike to the lecture without a helmet. And he fell and he broke his jaw. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So I got called in for that. And I saw him in the ER and I wired his jaw shut. And he came to me, you know, for follow up. And... I realized that he's had a pretty much a career in editing and photography. He's an editor at DreamWorks. Okay. And the advantage I had is his jaw was wired shut. So I pitched him the idea of my script and there's no way he could say no because he couldn't talk. So <laughs> nice. Uh, albeit he himself, you know, has been an editor at DreamWorks for like over 20 years. He was at the point of retiring and wanting to do his own thing and make his own movie. So he read my rough script. He sort of liked the characters in it. And he, he, he said, okay, maybe we could do something. Albeit, this is like 10 years ago. Long story short, it still wasn't a polished script to be a movie because I didn't have experiences. Long story short, I took junior college classes and on movies, you know, after work, I would take evening classes, things like that, trying to learn as much as I could while practicing oral maxillofacial surgery. And to make a longer story even shorter, he and I, we experimented and stuff. We did a short movie where I was the main actor, so it wasn't good at all just to experiment and see if we could do something. And through many trials and tribulations, we said, okay, we did a little short movie. It was experimental. It was like eight minutes long. Why don't we just do this times 15 or 20? So it's a whole feature movie. So after rewriting the script about over 100 times, we decided to put everything forward and go through this process, which took about a year and a half to actually shoot. We were shooting a scene, each scene, week by week, or, you know, 
half a day here, half a day there. I would finish practice. I would finish my job sometimes doing oral surgery. And right after the, we would start shooting with the crew most of the times at my office because it's based, it's a, it's a hospital-based movie. And somehow this carried on from the summer of 2018 to about right when COVID started, winter, spring of 2020, so about a year and a half, and it was completed, got into festivals, and somehow through some more trials and tribulations, it's now distributed on Amazon Prime Video, and currently it's free to watch. So that's... That's a little snippet of a long process. <laughs> wow. And looking back, are you glad you did it or what? What, what is your feeling? Oh, I'm about glad it? I did it. I mean, it took a lot of sacrifice. You know, at the time we were shooting, my wife was pregnant on our second child. I was practicing, you know, I was pregnant. I still had to make an income and support the family. So it's not like I left my job or anything. I was practicing during the day, a lot of times, and shooting the end of the day. A lot of trials and tribulations, and I had to do the whole casting and everything, find the actors, find the talent all myself. And the other problem was we didn't have any budget. I mean, it was all a shoestring budget, whatever we could, I could piece up. A lot of the actors helped us because they were working for nothing. So we got help that way. A lot of the locations, we had to just go, as they say in film industry, shoe guerrilla style, meaning we didn't have permits or anything. We would just shoot whatever we could get away with. One interesting story, this is a true story, is that my friend agreed to for us to shoot in his house. But his wife wasn't too happy about this idea, so he didn't tell his wife. And he was going on his honeymoon. He was recently married. He was going to go on his honeymoon, and he said, okay, we're going to leave let's say at this time, and you guys could come in and do your thing while we're gone. Interestingly enough, the times kind of overlapped. So the, the people, the, you know, the set came in a little earlier than they were supposed to, and it all ended up a big mess. But oh boy, with, uh, you know, their honeymoon kind of being tainted in the beginning because of this mess. But so it, it was, it was fun. It was, it, it was a thrill in itself. <laughs> But they're still married. They're still married and they have a child. So oh, we, didn't ruin, we didn't ruin their marriage. Thank, okay. Thankfully. <laughs> excellent. Good to hear. So this sounds like, oh, and, and the movie is called In the Know. Is that correct? Back, it's called Back in the Know. And No is N-O. And it's supposed, it's based in Fresno. And if you live in Fresno or, if you know, know about Fresno, they, they call it The Know to kind of make fun of the town in a way. So it's called Back in the Know. Back in the Know, okay. And this sounds and like... It's there is an oral surgeon, surgeon character in the movie. Okay, nice. I was going to say, it sounds like it took just a lot of work, a lot of time, just sacrifice. What was motivating you through all this? Oh, a lot of things. I mean, there was an idea I had and the love you have for oral surgery and the love we have for oral surgery kind of it's the same kind of love and motivation and the reason we do things it's an idea and that it was amazing to see the idea in your head actually get produced and get translated in real life to a work of art so it was it was exhausting but it was exhilarating it's kind of like having kids you know raising kids yes as you would know because you have six of them but 
Yeah, it's no joke. It's a lot of work. And what, I mean, because this is, it's pretty cool that you had this idea, you had kind of a passion for it. And it sounds like you overcame lots of obstacles to get it done. But it was something that you wanted to do. And it sounds like it's pretty fulfilling for you to get it done. What words of advice do you have for others who kind of have maybe interests or passions or goals outside of oral surgery and kind of want to make that happen? Easy. Three, three words. Go for it. And from, you know, from what I've been seeing, a lot of oral and maxillofacial surgeons, you know, they're not these bookworms. Yeah, we do study a lot and we do work a lot or we're workaholics just by nature and we do read books a lot but a lot of a lot of what i've seen they do have other interests and as we know there's a lot of authors oral oral and maxillofacial surgeons that publish books that came out in during the corona time because they had probably time to publish them and finish them so there is a lot of that going on and my thing is go for it we're in, we're in a kind of a i guess a, a great time right now if if you want to express yourself or be creative. There's so many avenues. And, you know, I'm a case in point because I didn't have, even though I live in LA, I didn't have any links to the movie industry. I didn't study film in college. I didn't work as an intern in any, you know, movie production. I had nothing, you know, but somehow you could get yourself there depending how much you want it. And the avenues are now easier, which is great. And it's good. Because we're seeing all this creativity that people have, where in the past they probably kept it bottled up and they didn't know how to you know, express it. Now there's a lot of avenues. Yeah, that's awesome. I have to ask, how did you get actors to work essentially for free? I mean, are they hoping the movie takes off and it kind of ex- gives yeah them exposure? Yeah, they're to my knowledge, and I didn't know this before I found out, but there's like a Facebook but it's called breakdown services of people of actors and actresses looking for work. Oh, okay. And in that some of them are willing to do assignments for free because they want to get noticed. They want to do work in whatever way they can experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and then in, entirely, I guess it is on a promissory that, you know, you, they do get, if, if the movie ever makes some kind of profit, they do get a little, the main actors will get a little percentage of that. Okay. okay. A lot of them are not, I mean, a lot of them just worked and they had small, smaller roles and they're like, okay, this is just great, you know, exposure for them, but it's still a sacrifice. I feel very honored that they did that. It's still their time and their efforts. And then the main the main ones there is if the movie ever makes a profit they will get a you know a small cut of it financially. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. I love hearing about stuff like this. You know, it's it's good to hear that people can kind of do stuff outside of oral surgery. And even if you don't have that passion, I think it's important to have the passion for the oral surgery that work you're doing. But yeah, great advice and great story that you have there. Any other words of wisdom for people? Yeah, and then well, with my my thing, it's it's it is it is a passion project. But oral surgery and my experiences in the hospital and what I learned, what I saw, kind of overlapped with it. I used a lot of what I saw and what I took in. Yeah, my advice: go for it. My advice is also the time is now. I mean, yeah. The people that I talked to, talked to friends, family, they said, a lot of them said, okay, well, you know, you're not 
fully financially established. Save this later when you're financially established, you know, or when your kids have grown up a little bit, when you're fully settled and do it then. This is not something you should do now. You're just starting out, you're, you know, yeah. practicing and all that. But, you know, who knows? Maybe tomorrow will never come. I mean, unfortunately, that's just the realities of life. So if you yeah. can't do it now, that's my other advice. You know, go for it. Do it now because who knows what will happen tomorrow. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that resonates with me. I mean, there's been a lot of things that I've thought, oh, you know, I really want to do this, but it's not a great time. And I'll just wait for some perfect time in the future. And my experience is that never comes. It's never going to be a great time to do something like this. And it's better just to get it going and, and make it happen. Exactly. And then you don't know. I mean, there's, will there ever be a perfect time? Because, okay, you think maybe you'll get less busy or whatever. Your job will be less. But there's new things that will come about. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they're beautiful things and great things, but they, they are things. So, you know, the time is now. Yep. Totally agree. And in a prior conversation, we were talking a little bit about some of the oral surgery type stuff you do. Sounds like you kind of have a niche there of treating infection cases and especially people with complicated airways. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, through the hospital that I take call in, you do see the emergency factors. I mean, what 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 remain a lot of emergencies outside of residency for oral and maxillofacial surgery, and those what I've been seeing are a lot of infections, facial space infection, neck infections, and fortunately, they're not often associated with major airway issues, but sometimes they are, and they need to go right away, and then. You got to get on a, on board with the anesthesiologists because you might have a difficult airway. Now, in residency, I did trachs, tracheostomies for very emergent airways that needed emergency tracheostomy procedures. Uh, haven't now, now it's the ENT's field, really. But my advice to someone that is going, oh, I see you now. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Figured it out. Uh, yeah. My advice for someone that is doing hospital call after residency is to get goods with some of the anesthesiologists because you have to kind of coordinate the airway. Anesthesiologists are kind of, some of them, they're kind of, they don't like oral and maxillofacial surgery cases, not because they don't like us, but because it's in their area and their, their whole space is the airway. And we're kind of intruding on that based on just the, you know, where we're working. So it's good to kind of get to know some of the anesthesiologists in the hospital that you're affiliated with, talk to them, discuss the cases beforehand. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot of my cases, just interestingly, I mean, we're working in the mouth, but even so with infections and, and related things, I still say, okay, you could do like endotracheal intubations, just try to lead the tube on the different, the contralateral side that I'm working on. So yeah, a lot of, you should get in goods with the anesthesiologist. There was one, particularly her name was Charlene Halimi that I was close with, and we collaborated a lot because she she saw you know she worked sedated a lot of my patients. Unfortunately, she left me. She's now practicing in NYU, so that kind of upset about that. But that's just an example of get to know your anesthesiologist, become friends with them, so you could discuss cases. And you can have the best outcome possible. Nice. 
And you were mentioning before that you occasionally do submental intubations or. Yeah, you- I mean, it in residency and the anesthesiologists really don't like that. But sometimes <laughs> everyone, everyone, you know, is profounded in that. And people that don't know, like, let's say you have a case where you have a nasal, fra- you have multiple facial fractures and they include a nasal fracture and they include a jaw fracture. Yeah. So now you have to somehow put Doyle splints after you close, reduce the nasal fracture and you're wiring them shut with or without plates. So what are you going to do? How are they going to breathe when they wake up? And one of the tricks in residency that I learned is that you could actually do what's called a submental intubation where they're intubated. You do everything you can without their mouth wired shut. But then while the while the surgery's almost at a conclusion, you actually poke a through and through hole from the floor of their mouth coming outside of their neck. And the anesthesiologist will redirect the tube through that hole outside of their neck and connect it to the connector. And in that way, that tube is bypassing the teeth. And then you could close them shut if you need to. Anesthesiologists don't like this. From you know, They don't like doing this. Some of them have even said no with me, but that is a way to maybe get through this, the airway management for, for multiple facial fractures where their nose, nose might be obstructed and their mouth is wired shut. But it, to some still, it, it freaks them out because, you know, it's, it's kind of a, they feel that it might not be stable, but that is some things we did in residency to kind of get through, overcome that issue. Okay. That's good to hear. I think, you know, something we did as well in residency and I'm not sure how many people know or have experienced that. I think it's a good tool to have in your pocket just in case you need to do something like that. And now they have like what I love that they have now and what Dr. Halimi showed me a lot was the, the video scopes they have that the anesthesiologists use like while they're intubating, there's a little video monitor camera. Yeah with the blade and while they're intubating you could kind of see it through that camera i think that's just amazing that's really awesome wow and how are you liking kind of doing three different things as far as your own practice and traveling and kind of hospital type stuff is that do you like the variety in it or are you moving towards just doing one over the other well Currently, I, I like the variety because every day is something new, but I think eventually I would like to have just work in my own practice and take some call in the hospital. I don't, I think we all train so much. All the maxillofacial surgeons train. I think they're the most specialty that sees the most during the residency, but most of them don't do it. Most yeah. of the stuff. I mean, we're, we, most of them do that, you know, maybe. 15 to 20 percent of the stuff that they learn in residency then there's like 80 percent that like i haven't treated a frontal sinus fracture in god knows how long but so right. i think i like that hospital side and that you're actually you still have some exposure to to those things that you did in residency yep that's awesome very very cool well awesome i think you've shared a lot of good stuff regarding your the passion project your infections and things you're doing well i'm going to go back to you i mean i think what you're doing is great and i was surprised that there is actually a podcast for oral and maxillofacial surgery i mean because we're a very very small niche i mean it's not like 
nurses, you know, where you have you know tons of people that are nurses or, you know, financial investor, you know, we're a very small niche within the dental, even within the dental community. So I think what you're doing is kind of amazing. And I think what you, you know, this is great what you do. I enjoyed your shows. Oh, thank you. So, so I think this is, you know, in a way we're kind of, this is your passion project and it kind of involves oral and maxillofacial surgery, obviously. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I say I really that's probably why I identify with your story because it's a similar thing. You know, I'm something I've always wanted to do. It's really exciting for me. It's not, it's, you know, a business thing. Really, it's not generating tons of money or anything, but it's super rewarding. Great to learn stuff from surgeons, help other people out, learn stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, any other words of wisdom you have for like young surgeons getting out of school who are trying to figure out what to do with their life and their career? Okay. The young surgeons getting out of school, it's exciting. Take, as, uh, as Walt Whitman would say, suck out all the marrow you can from it. It's, it's exhilarating. Enjoy every minute of it. It's like, you know, starting a family, enjoy every possible minute of it. But also a lot of things that I think, or me, and I think a lot of people come out not knowing is the business and the finance, financial aspects of it. I mean, we're in residency. We love doing the procedures. We love the science, the medicine, the surgery, but we don't get to learn much. At least I didn't about the business aspects and the finance finances in general. So yeah. that's my little tip. If you could get, you know, take a finance class, read about it, do a CE in finance. It will help you out a lot. It'll get you... You can learn on your by yourself, but it'll take you longer. So that's my little advice for new graduating surgeons. Very good. Yep. Yeah, I, we've talked about this with other guests a little bit. You know, just the fact that we get such little amount of business training, but then most of us, when we're done, we're small business owners, and all of a sudden, we're kind of scrambling to figure out how to keep a business alive and run it and be successful. So. Yeah, that's a definitely a good thought. Yeah, I mean, that's what I face. I'm like payroll tax. What's payroll tax? What what business license? What's going on? Yeah, so there's a lot of that. So that's my recommendation. Awesome, cool. Well, we have a, a few rapid fire questions for you to end the podcast, if that's sure. okay. All right. First one is what uh, non oral surgery thing have you done in your life or do that helps you with your daily oral surgery skills? I'm an avid fan of eighties music. Okay. Okay. And everything relates back to eighties music, things that <laughs> remember or things that happen. I related back. If something's happening, I, I put an eighties song to it. Nice. Just to so that is something kind of like from out there that, you know, you know, like 80s lyrics, lyrics of some song. Yeah, I get it, man. I love music and the 80s, dude. Yeah. They have some hidden gems in there. You have to kind of listen and pay attention. Yeah, because that's the whole thing. As you know, as I'm getting older and older and it's been a long time now, you you now understand the music a little differently now, now that I've been adult and when you were a little kid, you know, so... Yeah, totally. Which, by the way, by the way, I am... Okay, here's another thing. Currently, I am writing a book. Oh, cool. Another passion. It's it's the 1,000 greatest songs of the 1980s. Awesome. <laughs> so it's, it's about to, you know, it's almost in the process. So that's another... Very cool. 
Very, very cool. Next question is, well, I have to ask this, this question for you is just, what's your favorite movie? You know, you made a movie, but what, what is your, on your top list there? Okay. I'll let, okay. It's an eighties movie. Okay. I I, this is classic back to the future. Oh, love it. It's on my top five for sure. Yeah. And they're bringing the a new one in 2022 by the way oh i didn't know that yes so with michael j fox or no i believe i don't know if he's going to be the main actor but I, he's going to have some role i don't know the specifics okay okay yep love that movie awesome next question is which forceps do you use to extract tooth number 14 the upper forcep <laughs> upper universal yes nice Great. Um, question there <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that those maxar molars are oftentimes difficult you know with those three splayed out roots and you're trying to get it out oftentimes no matter what forceps you put on there you're not gonna do much unless you section it but yeah what i've been learning through experience and trial and error is that the main the main usually not always but the main root is that palatal root and sometimes if you could get a periosteal elevator there and really kind of try to move it from the bone or separate it from the bone and then if you get some pressure on the palatal aspect and kind of use that as a fulcrum it works at least for me nice yeah that is one tough tooth yep for sure (laughs) And then I have to ask you, what is your favorite quote that you have? Sounds like there's a lot of quotes you like, but do you have a favorite one you keep coming back to in your life? The favorite quote was given to me. It's not a known quote, but it was given to me through a co-resident during residency. He was higher up, two levels higher, but he was a good friend of mine. Okay. Residency is residency and there's a struggle every day and I talked to him a lot and he basically said residency is basically how to survive residency is you have to be positive while everything around you is negative. So that's, that's just kind of kept me, but there's a lot of quotes. I like other quotes. I mean, that's a, that's an oral surgery residency quote, I like but uh, other quotes, like if only the old could, and if only the young knew, that's a good one. Or, yeah. or youth is wasted on the young. Yep. So yeah. I'm a quote. I'm a quote guy too. Okay, I like that a lot. Those are great <laughs> quotes. <laughs> you know your your story about residency and your script and your movie. A lot of that reminds me of this book I read several years ago called The House of God. I, I have that book. Have you? Okay. Yeah, I have read that book. That's one of those like classic residency books. That which, is a classic residency book. Yeah, it did a, it, it gives a great job of painting the picture of just how difficult residency is, how how sometimes desensitizing it is, you know, and you just kind of after a thousand patients, it's hard to really connect with people. And there was a lot of cool messages in there, but your story reminds me of that. And, yeah. And I read that before, so before I, I made the movie. So yeah, I'm sure it had a lot of influences there. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, read that book. Very cool. I was going to ask you, do you have, well, I was going to ask you, what is your favorite episode of either Seinfeld or The Office? Have you watched either of those shows? Yeah, I think the, 
I, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> My favorite episode of Seinfeld is it's it wasn't a popular one, but it was one where they traveled to LA. Okay. It was a two-part episode. And it was yeah. I think it was it was in 92. That's when it but they traveled to LA. Yep. Get involved in some kind of crime <laughs> and they get in trouble with the police. So I think that that was just that was just funny because I lived in LA and then we're seeing their perspective of LA because they're, you know, they was based in New York. Right. So that's the uh, Seinfeld one. The office one, which is greatly written, is the one where the one where they're trying to where he they're trying to present like prevent race prevent <laughs> racism in the workplace. Yeah. And little does he know that he's he's created a bigger racist thing. <laughs> So that was just greatly written, and those are the two. Oh yes, love that. Yeah. So, but those are two well-made shows. I mean, they they yeah. you track the two, you know, shows that will withstand the test of time. I mean, Seinfeld. What ninety-seven was the last episode, so we're almost like twenty-five years out, and people, you know, my little nephews and nieces still love that, and it's you know before their time, so. Oh, that's awesome. And by the way, I believe in that episode of Seinfeld that you're citing, Kramer gets mistakenly accused of being the, the this like homicidal uh, criminal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so I thought it was just hilarious. Um, <laughs> and oh, they showed L.A. from a New York you know perspective. It was just it was great. Yeah, classic. Wow, so you're a big fan of Seinfeld. Yeah, I just love watching it. For some reason, I'll watch an episode usually a week while I'm driving in my car. I shouldn't admit this, but I watch Netflix while I'm commuting. Okay. And that show just brings me joy. It makes me laugh every time. I love it. It's it's great. I mean, well, very well well made. And for the time, it it was like must-see TV back in the day. Like Thursday nights it was on. It was must-see TV back in those days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was huge. Well, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of great stories, good quotes. I really enjoy kind of what you're doing. And Ditto. Um, My pleasure, too. Yep. So thank you so much for sharing that, taking the time. If we have any listeners that, you know, have questions for you or would like to talk to you, are you OK if they contact you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you like me to get my number out? Yeah, whatever you feel comfortable with, email okay. or number. E- very easy. Okay, let me give the easiest one. My email got it a long time ago. It's oralsurgery at hotmail.com. Okay. Okay, that's pretty easy. Oralsurgery at hotmail.com. Awesome. My, my phone number is, it's a Fresno area code still. It's nice. It's 559-246-1300. Five five nine two four six one three zero three. That's uh, my personal cell number, so they could contact me any, with anything or any time they want. And the movie's called Back in the Know. It's on Amazon Prime Video. Okay. Uh, so, however they want to contact me, feel free. Awesome. Hey, one last thing I just thought of because you love the eighties. Have you? There's a book that just revels in eighties culture. It's called Ready Player One. Have you heard of that book? I have, I, I have, I've heard of it just maybe briefly. I saw it on online, like social media, but okay. now 
want, well, tell, can you tell me more? Cause now I'm like really interested. Ready player one. Yeah. It's a fictional book. So I don't know if you like sci-fi type stuff, but yeah, I thought like some, there was some kind of space thing when I saw it on the social media. Am I yeah. right? Like sci-fi kind of thing. Ready yeah. player. Ready player one. It's on audible. It's one of the highest like audible, you know, rated books out there, but if you love 80s, that's certainly a good one to listen to. But it's basically, you know, about... And they made a movie out of it a couple of years ago. They did? Yeah. Okay. Pretty big movie. But yeah, it's basically set in the future where everything is done through virtual reality. And there's this, or you know, the guy who created the virtual reality system, who's a multi-billionaire, dies and leaves this kind of hidden treasure hunt in this virtual reality world and so the whole world's looking for there are these special eggs and whatever it, it's a cool book i don't want to blow too much of the story but tons of re- 80s references and you're recommending the movie and the book or the book is better than the movie or yeah the book's better but the, actually the movie was really well done so i i recommend both i will okay i will i'll be on the hunt down for it awesome All right, Ellie. Well, thanks so much for taking the time this morning and for talking to us. I really appreciate it. For having me. Awesome. Have a good day. You too. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. If you are an oral and maxillofacial surgeon and would like to be on this podcast, please email me at grantstuckey at gmail.com or text me at 720-441-6059. Also, if you have any topics that you would like to hear discussed or feedback on a certain episode that has already aired, please call or email or text me. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode.